Hello. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? Also great. Thank you very much. Good. Do you want an update on... Oh, I was just on a call, right? I was just on a sales call. And I always take them just on the phone. I don't want to be on Zoom more than I need to be, right? So that means I was like pottering around my living room and I moved something. No. Guess what was behind it? No, 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 not the wood lice. Yeah, lots of them. Oh, it was so gross. And then on a call, but then I was like, (sighs) Hoover out at the same time. And then I spoke to my cleaner about it and she was like, oh no this is happening all over she's like I was like I'm gonna get the poison she's like no I've used it it doesn't it work I was like what am I gonna do oh no so wait all the ones you uncovered on your call were alive and scrambling around I know they were all dead which is probably better but still fucking gross oh no that's very upsetting yeah I'm not sure what's going on or like how to deal with it Oh, so no. I've done nothing well that's how we deal with everything that requires thought outside of business and well outside of business <laughs> yeah literally oh if it's business or Amelia needs something fine if I need to do something for myself like live in a pest-free environment <laughs> yeah we would we would be more likely to order pest control for each other's houses than our own a hundred percent like I find it really easy to do things for other people will I do it for myself no never no, absolutely that um oh well that's very upsetting yeah anyway how are you how's Malta I'm great thank you Malta is beautiful we got here at lunchtime so we went out for a, a late leisurely lunch by the sea and it's just all rocky and blue sea everywhere it's beautiful and then came back and just been working on the balcony and right now I'm watching Lucy Lord do yoga on the balcony in a big sea of green plants whilst I do chat to you and I feel very lucky to I was kind of hoping that maybe we get Lucy Lord on this episode but fine if she's busy she, she may appear I don't know how long her yoga sessions tend to last but we've also had a beer so I'm even more impressed that she's doing her yoga a post beer to be quite frank what a beer I mean she's a small person so I know why is she still standing her balance is looking meticulous right now (laughs) very flow state looking um so good for her um yes I'm great thank you and nothing to report read nothing wildly exciting or different this week I don't think have you no, I listened to a podcast which was on a book that I have read and I thought it was really good um, called Die With Zero and I liked that. Die With Zero? Synopsis. Yeah. Um, people spend money in the wrong way. I mean, it's definitely a book that I personally need to read, but the whole kind of emphasis is like, People save when they don't have much money, but do have a lot of time and health. And then they're like, oh yeah, now I'm old and retired. I've got all this money, but I don't really want to go traveling because I'm old and I hurt and my health is deteriorating. And then most people, I mean, well, actually he's got stats on this. So like most people die with a lot of money. And yeah, sure. It's nice to be like, I could leave this to my kids or to charity or whatever, but like, I don't know, realistically, like, I don't want my parents to leave me anything. I'm not going to say no, but, like, that's not, like, the point is, like, they've given me everything 
like yeah. in being present with me or the incredible experiences like yeah so it, I don't, it's a very good book I would definitely recommend it if you're someone who maybe struggles to like spend money or live in the moment or take risks in that regard mm. then like it's kind of like what would you, what are you going to regret more the fact that you know at the time it might seem like a lot if you're like oh I want to go to Australia and travel but it's going to cost me two grand to do it you're like god that's like almost all my savings but actually you know in 10 years it's probably not going to be much money to you and the guy in the book kind of talks about like you know like how I was so stupid to miss out on these opportunities because I thought I was saving 800 pounds and it's like but now 800 pounds means nothing to me and I'm like what a fucking idiot like I should have essentially his whole narrative is like taking a loan from my future richer self who has greater earning potential for my present self and when you think about it in the context of like when you're at uni or something and you could work all summer to make like a thousand pounds which is what you might make in half a week once you graduate and you've got up the career ladder a little bit and you, but then actually you're too busy to spend it and blah 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 so yeah I love that. do you know what interestingly I was speaking to one of the ETPC coaches um this week and she has been given the opportunity to go to um just travel into a country that she really wants to visit and she was saying you know it's not really ideal for me time-wise um logistically for a few reasons it's not really ideal she's like but I really want to go so she was like I'm just going to make it work and I think and I think this kind of ties in with the time thing as well as the money thing it's slightly different because time is finite and time is when you're working like you are of course limited but I think the same sort of premise applies of like if you want to travel and you want to do things again it's not good there's not going to be a time where you're like oh I've got tons and tons of time okay now is the time to do it if you if that's a value of yours and important and if you are lucky enough to work online and this is your job do it like do it now and, and and know that it will be absolutely okay and we you know we were talking about this yesterday but on a personal front of like I mean I always work better when I'm traveling always because I'm so, so much more intentional but a lot of the people that I work with are like oh I would like to do this I'd like to and Harriet did a really lovely post the other day I'm sure you saw it where she tagged us both and she was like she saw us go to Mexico and she's like that's what that's what I really want to do is just do a month and go away and she and she thrived and then it came back and has this new lease of life and it's like we just don't do it we keep saying oh we'll do it at some point and it's like that some point is not going to happen if you don't just take action and do it so it's not like spend all your money and travel the world always and don't do work but it is about recognizing that you can do lots of it at the same time yeah I mean you can do it all and I think it's only your perception that you can't or other people telling you that you can't because when most people go away you know you're surrounded by and remember we got this in Mexico people being like how's your holiday it's like we've been here two months it's not holiday like we've built three businesses like leave us alone you know like we're still working out here but it, it's it's often other people's perception that stops you mm. um, but you can you can do it all and you can build while you're away if you choose to do that if you want to do that there's no it's not like you have to pick one thing and then I think Parkinson's law comes up so much when you're traveling like you're saying like you're more intentional I remember before I went to Mexico and I think we had this chat, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do everything. And it was fine. Like mm-hmm. you can literally, and what, we were basically just cramming in our normal full day's work into like half a day and nothing bad happened. And no. actually you just find you have more time to spend off business and enjoy yourself. And that, you know, you might've thought that you were working for a long period of time, but you just fill your day with, like you will fill your day 
if you've got a four hour window to do it because that's how time zones work or if you've got eight hours like you'll fill it it will just happen and then yeah so I would do it if you want to do it but also it's a bit of a skill that you need to learn so the mm-hmm. first time you travel you might be like do you know what I really wasn't productive and then you figure out how to be more productive and sometimes that might mean like I don't know paying for the lounge or understanding that actually the cheapest way to travel there might be stopping over here here and here but it would actually technically be cheaper to get a direct flight and then spend a couple of hours working in a hotel because your your time is actually worth money if you're working right so there's just like little things that I guess you learn as you go but it's totally possible yeah you only get one life and you yeah you're right like time is the most valuable thing so if you're like, I won't do it this year, but I'll maybe do it when business calms down. Well, good luck, because it's not happening. It's exactly the same thing as what we tell, you know, when we're like trying to get someone to sign up for coaching and they're like, yeah, well, Christmas is coming up, so I'll just do it later. And you're like, there will always be a reason. You'll always be like, oh, well, now's not the best time because I'm just about to do this launch. Sorry, but you're always just about to do this launch literally every six weeks. Like that's when it comes around. And if you run numerous launches, then they're always going to come around. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Steph just messaged saying, I always talk about this with Amelia. When I was doing shows and coaching at the same time, I was thriving. The worrying beforehand of fitting everything in was the worst part. Love this chat. Yeah, I think I was the same. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do all this. And then you just do. Yeah, yeah. And it's wild. It's not even like, sometimes like, it's not even like you just do. It's like, like Steph said, like Uh-oh. she was, yeah. exceptional like she's always exceptional but like at that point it was like it was wild it's like yeah everything's top I mean again everything's top but like point is it's not like you just get it done and that's sufficient it's like no no you you can be just as good if not better if you if you thrive in that type of space mm. okay Laura's question I have heard two kinds of conflicting approaches to helping clients who have trigger foods brackets food a client feels they are quote-unquote addicted to the first is to just not have it for x amount of time to prove to yourself you don't need it the other is to have it daily but a small amount to prove you can stop after that one small bit can you advise on how you'd identify which approach is best to use what kind of behaviors a client would be exhibiting what kind of mindset around the food etc would you choose make you choose one approach or the other are you talking to my clients or ems Who do you like more? No, I'm um, you're so right that like it, it depends on the client. And actually you might try both, but I think it would be quite, it's normally quite clear once you've done it for a while, like whether that person needs to just cut it out for a period of time and then reintroduce it. Like, I think I've spoken about my client who just got obsessed with rice crackers and it's like, just take it out to prove to yourself that you can and then have it back in. The point would always be to bring it back in anyway. So you you might actually do both of those things in phases. Like let's exclude it for a week, just so you know that you can and you own that. And now let's include it in a in a more controlled way and prove to yourself that you can do it without overeating it. Yeah, I agree. And and look, if someone came to me and they were regularly binge eating, it might be that okay. And they don't have binge eating disorder, or if they did, they were working with us. Right, what I might what I might recommend is that okay, for now you feel like don't you have call to- the lawyers. I love that you're like they don't have technically binge eating disorder, or they would be working with a registered nutritionist. Continue. 
cover all bases. Um, initially, it might be, okay, it's not helpful to have it in the house because you, you feel like you have no control over it. You feel like you have no trust in your body, etc. So it might be, okay, let's just not have it right now. But as you start to learn to become more mindful or you start to reintroduce these things slowly, it might be that you then start to bring it in mindfully and enjoy it. And it might be in the sort of approach that you might use like socially, etc. And then bringing it into your house, maybe. Um, there's never, But the point is, is there's never going to be a time where you say, you can never have it in your house to prove that you can't have it. That's the thing. And it's not, and you might choose not to keep it in your house because you want to do what like you often talk about is going to the shop. And, and if you really want to go to the shop and have it, you might choose that, but it's it's very different from saying you can never have it in your house. You know, like they are very, very different quote unquote mindsets. So it it really, really does depend on the person and how they feel that they trust themselves around food, what their relationship with food is like on the whole, how regularly they are overeating. Um, and yeah, just really start like listening to your client, hearing what they're actually saying. There's not like a specific tick box of, okay, well, you would use this approach then and this approach then. It's very much, what is your client saying to you? Um, and then take it from there. Mm-hmm. Usually, by the way, also, I think with the keeping it out of your house, keeping it out for a certain amount of time to prove yourself you don't need it, that might be more habitual. Like, as in, I think that was your client, you said that they were, it's kind of like a habit of feeling like of feeling they always had it, right? That might be more habitual for people that feel habitual with certain foods, whereas the other one might be feel like it's more like a control or a loss of control or overeating or binging or maybe emotionally eating around that in a nutshell-ish. I guess it's similar to like a lot of people are doing sober October now and I think it's such a useful thing to do as Amelia drinks beer on the line <laughs> but like not, or not for people who don't have a problem but for people who might not have a problem but are just using alcohol a lot and maybe it's not conducive to their current goals and or they they feel like they can only socialize if they drink it's it's just quite freeing to be like okay well I don't need that now I might choose to have it because I enjoy it as opposed to feeling like it's something that I need in order to socialize. Yeah, I definitely didn't need a beer to do REIQ life. I just started it three hours ago on the balcony and I have a little bit left. <laughs> um, okay, hi there. My best friend asked me for some advice about stress eating. 12 years ago, she found out she had a brain tumor. She had surgery and radiotherapy, then reduced the tumor significantly. She was also very on top of her nutrition then. She had to have scans every three months, then it changed every six months after a few years. In 2020, she had a son and was very ill after the birth and her routine six-month brain scan showed a growth. She had chemo and that time around didn't eat healthily. She only wanted crap food. The chemo worked and tumor reduced, but she now wants to tackle her weight gain. She's doing really well, but stress eats between her scan and results, which can be up to six weeks. I've told her to write down her feelings around the scan and results and to pre-plan her evening stress snacks rather than quote-unquote react to the stress. So create a plate of bits like a mix of berries and something more indulgent to hit the spot. Any more tips? Clearly there's something incredibly valid to be stressed about. It's totally amazing how she's dealt with everything over the last 12 years since her first diagnosis. I mean, I think you're doing a lot of the right things already. I think doing things like journaling on it, meditation, maybe going for you know, like all the things that, you know, are going to reduce stress. And then I like that you've put in like some kind of like semi-controlled comfort eating. So you're not saying it's a bad thing. 
but even just like getting her to work with you to be like what's going to relieve your stress more than just overeating like what other mechanisms what what other coping mechanisms do we have here that we could utilize that might be useful for you and often like having that as a discussion instead of just off you know like the usual like if someone's not into meditation and you're like have you tried meditating they're like no but like if they're like yeah do you know what I could have a hot bath or maybe they need some journal prompts or maybe actually they need to distract themselves a little bit more even things like I've had someone that started and I, I don't buy into this at all or like why people like doing this but puzzles in the evening I like, love a puzzle um but it could be that or it could be like oh I'm gonna do duolingo or like I'm just gonna distract myself in some way because that is a horrible way like there's no getting away from the fact that that's going to be a horrible way and sometimes I'm like yeah journaling might help but sometimes I'm like that actually might make it worse Mm. that instance of like there's nothing you can do about that weight and there's really no action points for you to be like this is what I can do this is what I can't do so kind of just reminding yourself of you've done all the right things and now it's almost like you're never gonna forget about it until you get the result but you need to distract yourself somehow Mm. you get that result yeah and if I may talk about myself for a minute like I go through this to a much lesser degree with my brother um and it's very similar every three months and 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 the first six months of that I knew myself and you you saw some of this where it was like even without thinking about it, I knew I was coming up to the time of the test, the results, and my I would emotionally eat a bit more. I would find just my emotional dysregulation heightened. I was a lot stressier. I was forgetting things. I was clumsier. All of these things where it wasn't even my body, but I was very aware of that. And it took me a long time to recognize really what was going on. And it is really about being quite, for, for me personally, right? It was very about being intentional with the joy, with connection there is so important in terms of, it might be your son, it might be your partner, um, her friends, but being really intentional with that social side of things. Um, and it depends on personality types, right? But it, I think a social connection is really underrated when it comes to relationship with food stuff on the whole, even if you look at it on the basis of like opportunity in the sense of you've got much less opportunity to emotionally eat or stress eat when you're busy, when you are um, speaking to people. And the thing is, it's like, do you know what? Mindfulness is really great on the whole. Meditation is really great on the whole. But there are certain times where you don't want to lean into your feelings. And we demonize distraction. We demonize not dealing with emotions. But sometimes for short term, it's actually okay to distract yourself because you can't change that. And it's all well and good saying, oh, accept what you can't control. And it's like, I want to accept the reality of things going on right now. So for the six weeks, I am going to distract myself and that's okay. And, and for me personally, that's what I do. I, I don't talk to my family about that specific date. I know it, but I don't talk. I don't really talk to you about it anymore. I just kind of go, oh yeah. And then I go, oh, it's today. And I distract myself. But I think it practically in this sense of maybe if she's on a fat loss journey for, for that month or that six weeks, um hopefully it's not up to six weeks all the time but maybe you say okay we're actually going to do like a bit of a maintenance phase in these phases so you're not hungry so you can socialize you can eat out you can do all these things and then once the results and stuff are here okay we're going to move back into a fat loss phase you feel a bit more regulated the hunger is not going to exacerbate your stress eating right now there's nothing wrong with you know deficit 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 maintenance deficit deficit actually quite a helpful way to do it if you can 
if it helps you and if you can actually get to maintenance and back into deficit relatively easily and if you're coaching a well which I'm sure that you are that might be a good strategy practically to take mm-hmm. and sometimes and this is how it's so like individual but I've worked with quite a lot of breast cancer survivors and sometimes they want to double down during that time of like like kind of what I was saying about distraction it's like now actually I want to up my training to five days a week and I want to up my steps because I'm gonna go for an evening walk and I want to really nail my nutrition and do like all I possibly can be doing to be my fittest healthiest self sometimes that's the motivation and you'll only really know this from being like what what approach do you think is going to help you most do you want to set a goal for these six weeks and really like push yourself or do we need to take a little step back and like take this approach instead but I think as long as you're going on like in with the intent and you've spoken to them about like what what motivates them more what do they think is going to help them more then yeah agreed you Um, hear that side no ice cream van is very aggressive oh what kind of music do they play there great love that tune yeah one of my favorites right laura's just saying i tried this at the weekend no beer while watching rugby on sunday surrounded by people drinking was a bit weird at first but got my head around it yeah do you ever find i mean not so much now but when i was at uni and i'd stop drinking i'd sometimes like go out go out to a club with my friends sober and then I'd feel quite drunk yeah I get that sometimes and I'd like get out and like get my car keys out and I was like am I okay to drive and then I'm like I've actually had any alcohol yeah and then you're like is it possible that I'm drunk on fumes it's I think it's just the environment you get so immersed in it and everyone's so drunk around you that you're like oh yeah I quite like that that study on um giving people like non-alcoholic beverages and telling them that it's got alcohol in and they get really drunk yeah so weird I guess like if you know you've not drunk then I think you're fine but if you think that you have like you have all the even when they did test like you know like touch on you know like their responses were worse and everything I'm just saying mm-hmm. expectation yeah. effect in it love it uh, Emily's question I love your thoughts on how to move forward productively and ethically with someone who reports they're consuming within the calorie range I've suggested for fat loss but is not seeing progress we've already had many conversations oh sorry the progress they anticipated we've already had many conversations in capital letters including discussing things that could lead to not being in a calorie deficit and encourage them to revisit their values and goals normally this would do the trick but we're, we're going in circles each week and I don't want them I don't want to do them a disservice by not tackling it head on. I'm also concerned to see in their latest check-in that they've dropped calories beyond the range I have recommended to levels that are unnecessary and extreme. Overall, I'm conscious that I have a personal bias toward wanting them to stop dieting. It's not essential for health reasons, and I think they benefit from switching their focus to training performance and improving body image. But ultimately, this needs to be their choice, and my job is to support them. I feel I'm now getting in my head over the right way to tackle it and feeling frustrated because this seems like such a basic and common scenario that I can usually resolve, hence reaching out for some support. I mean, it is common. It's not always basic. And I think what's annoying is that for some people it does work. You just need to remind them like to be a bit patient or what's actually realistic or they've not got, you know, if they're already in a healthy BMI range, they've not got that much fat to lose probably, which means that the rate of fat loss is going to be slow. 
there are a few approaches you could take. You could be like, we're going to focus on, you could basically go down that line and be like, look, if you're lifting heavy in the gym, building muscle, or at least trying to build muscle as much as possible, we're probably not going to see that much changes on the scale because you don't have that much fat left to lose. Thus, we're going to take, I don't know, measurements or progress photos or performance markers or ideally a combination of all of them. And we're not going to look at the scales because actually the scales aren't really going to tell you very much at this point. And you can even go into like the error margin on the scales is way too big to be seeing like if this person's like, I want to get lean, I want to have like abs or something. I wouldn't even bother looking at the scale like that's not like if you're if your goal is this and that's measuring something completely different like why are we bothering with that is they're probably not even linked so you might go down that side and just like remove weight which might help with more fueling performance or you might talk about like if their goal is body composition and wanting to look lean dropping calories to like you could talk about why dropping calories too low isn't going to be beneficial for building muscle so as much as they might think their goal is fat loss and on on top of that like weight loss actually a body composition goal isn't about weight loss or and it's not only about fat loss it's the combination of the two so you could go with that um Emily's just saying we already removed scales and its measurements as it wasn't helping her images aren't showing changes though I guess that's the other thing as well is that you won't see a difference in like how you look week on week like you just won't and then so many p- things come into that like even just like manipulating carbs even and if you're lean to a small extent that can make a really big difference all the different lighting or how you're standing or if you're tensing or when you last trained and if you look flat and if you've got glycogen in your muscle like so many things come into it like it which is hard because I know people want tangible results Mm. what I'd say Emily is amazing that you recognize that you've got a personal bias like I think that's amazing and to sometimes it makes it harder because you go I don't want to project it but if you didn't have a personal bias you might actually say that more because you it wasn't a personal bias and you just wanted to give the other side of the coin um but I think that's fantastic um if if this was somebody I was working with again I would have the conversation again that you've obviously had many conversations about this I would say again and then I would say look in my per- like personally based on people that I've worked with before and and where we're at right now I would really recommend that we take a bit of a break from dieting you can still have your fat loss goal but we're obviously not seeing fat loss progress right now and, and that might be for many reasons you don't have to go into the specific that might be for many reasons but I would love it just to spend the next four weeks that we focus on you know making sure your training is up to scratch making sure that you're fueled for training um that you feel like and and you can kind of be a little bit deceptive in the sense of just you know having more food will probably increase your neat levels a little bit it'll help with your hunger levels a little bit everything that's just going to rebalance things and quotation marks required and then and just give it just give it a month and say okay where are we at let's reassess and and then try again and again if 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 the problem then arises that she's still not dropping body fat and clearly not dropping body fat then you just have to have the conversation again and sometimes sometimes and and you know em and i've had this conversation before sometimes clients some just need a fresh approach to doing things this client might be like look Emily, I'm not getting results with you. I'm going to go to ESG Fitness. And she goes on Commit to Six 
and loses body fat in six weeks, right? That could happen because it's a fresh approach. She needs something like she just needs to try something completely different. Although, of course, it's not going to be massively different, but the way it's framed is going to be different, right? And all that's doing is obviously helping her keep to her deficit because she's obviously not keeping to her deficit for whatever reason. But if she's not mindful enough of why that is herself, and you've gone through these conversations many, many times, sometimes like what I'm saying is a pattern interrupt could be helpful, whether it be stop a diet for a month, whether it be then you're not going to refer her to a different coach, like you're still supporting her and, and you're going to figure this out. But sometimes just like that slightly more drastic change is actually what's helpful. But that's not because you're not doing a good job. It's not because you're not doing anything right. It's just... It, the pattern interrupt can be quite helpful. Yeah, and I think that's so common with most clients, especially if you work with someone for a while, is like the check-ins get a bit samey, the workouts get a bit samey. And even from their headspace of like, right, I'm starting fresh with someone new, there's that. Or what I'll often do with things like this is just change things almost for the sake of changing them for the pattern interrupt, for this is different, I'm going to re-engage with it. And you might do something like re- like going back to look at values and setting goals based on values and figuring out exactly what you want, setting a timeline for it. You might even do like, look, let's do 30 days. Sometimes if people are stuck in this similar position, actually, before I've taken away the scales, I'm like, let's do 30 days of just focusing on these behaviors. Here's five, beh- here's five things a day I need you to tick off you will 100% get results in 30 days if you're consistent doing this for 30 days. We're not going to weigh. We're not going to do progress photos. Our goal is 30 days of consistency. It's kind of shifting the focus. Now, it was the goal always that, yes, but now you've put a timeline on it. You've got them excited about it. You've told them how it's going to work. You've stopped them looking up every five minutes to see if they've got results and if they haven't, then changing something. And it's like, that's not going to get you results. What is going to get you results is this. And a really important part of this is your confidence in your delivery. Like, because I can outright say, if you do this for 30 days, you will get leaner. And if that's the goal, this is what we need to do. Now, I need you to commit to that. Do you think that you can? And honestly, sometimes like the harder you are with this, this client dependent. And as we always say on EIQ, like we can't coach your clients. So if you're listening to that and you think that would be the worst possible thing for my client, given X, Y, Z don't do it it's not generic advice but these are tools that I've sometimes used with my clients of like if I want someone to refocus even with myself I'm like okay well if I want to focus I normally set myself a timeline I'm not just like I'm going to do these things now forevermore because I'm probably not right it cut like for some reason timelines help so if you're like right this is my quote-unquote challenge and again people always buy into challenges right this my 30 day challenge of consistency. I'm going to, I don't know, implement this new morning routine and the rest is probably going to stay very similar to what you've already been doing, but packaged up slightly differently. Let's hit it. And like, even give them like a tick box thing or something. Hmm. I realized we missed out Rebecca's last question from last week. So I want to go back to it. Is there any reason for avoiding soy with a thyroid issue if not taking levothyroxine? From what I have read, soy can make the absorption of levothyroxine harder, but there's no medication being taken. Medication isn't taken for reference because of medical reasons, but thyroid should regularly checked. No, there is no reason. Um, there was a meta-analysis. I actually wanted to see if there was any meta-analysis done on this um, because I knew 
I remember, I think, speaking to a doctor about this, a specific doctor about this, who worked with a lot of uh, weight loss and fat loss clients. Um, but I want to see if there's evidence. And there was, there was a 2019 meta-analysis, if you want to look up, um, that that suggested it's absolutely fine. So it's absolutely fine. Okay. Hello, ladies. My long-term client has been struggling with appetite in the last couple of months. She's had a COVID She's had a COVID, quite like that, but she's had COVID about two months ago. And the post effect seems to be that lack of appetite and craving chocolate and not very nutritious foods. She's very coachable and quite adherent and understands that food is fuel. So she is trying to eat well, but often finds it difficult to eat at her maintenance calories. We successfully finished her fat loss phase a couple of months ago. She often finds herself unable, not hungry, to eat more than 1600 calories. Just curious, how would you, you would approach long-term lack of appetite? If it were me, I, I mean, I would imagine that maybe she, she may, I don't know what she's feeling, but if she's got any sort of COVID fatigue, it might be that her fatigue has impacted her energy expenditure. So her meat levels might have gone down a bit. Her steps might have gone down a little bit. Her energy expenditure in the gym might have gone down a little bit. All of these little things can have an impact on her hunger levels. Um, realistically, it's almost the opposite of fat loss. The thing is, if she's losing weight or not, calories, yeah. all the sugar, yeah, get like a pumpkin spice latte with like cream on top, yeah. extra giant size. Um, if she, if it's helped for her to, like, the problem is, right? First of all, does she need to gain weight, or does she like, or is she losing weight? If so, of course, making sure she's getting enough calories is important. If that's not the a concern, then obviously nutrients are important. So thinking about how you're getting a variety of nutrients in. And if she's really struggling, like really struggling, maybe this is a time for making sure that she's taking supplementation, she's taking a multivitamin just to cover her bases right now. Um, but apart from that, it is about, okay, well, why, why don't we add um, polyunsaturated fat source to each meal? Why don't we look at realistically how many portions of fruit and vegetable are you having a day? Are you having, you know, 20 portions of fruit and vegetables? Okay, let's bring them down a little bit. Are you having a, often when you finish dieting, right, you've got your food choices are very high volume, low calorie food choices. And there can often be some resistance to switching them back. So you're probably still eating 0% fat yogurt as a, like our classic example, right? But if she's struggling to eat enough, switch to five percent switch to ten percent it's very delicious but like little things like that where she might feel that she wouldn't even consider that because it's like oh yeah but i just know that i, I just prefer bagel thins because i just like them because i've had them do you or are you just comfortable with that because you're used to it and i'm not saying that she's got disordered eating habits that's not what i mean i just mean habit and routine so just switching up practically her food sources but then also looking at her energy expenditure and if she's still struggling with fatigue don't be like get up in the morning and do five thousand steps but if she feels like she's not struggling with fatigue, just look at her energy expenditure on the whole. Maybe it has dropped down from being out of action for a little while and, and having fatigue. And maybe we need to be a bit more intentional with that. And as that comes up, her appetite might go up a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And, and even little things like if, I don't know, when she was dieting, she, I don't know, had a small breakfast or didn't have breakfast and just ate later in the day. Like those kind of things, they can take a while to come back as well because like I didn't have breakfast for years and then I was never hungry when I woke up and now I do have breakfast and I wake up hungry right because your ghrelin levels get used to when you normally eat so sometimes for a little period of time you have to kind of eat when you're not hungry I'm not talking about like 
force feeding yourself when you're not hungry, but just making sure you do have something. And then you do end up getting hungry at that time when you normally have a meal. Agreed. Okay. Hi, everyone. In our gym, us coaches are hoping to create a support group for our members next year. Well, I've hit a stumbling block. And so far as I feel quite a pull myself in the last month to return to dieting to lose some fat I've gained. We've also lost a member recently to a Weight Watchers type program because she thought her goals were against our ethos. So essentially, I'm feeling a little insecure in myself and where we should stand on weight loss if we are to be a change neutral and body neutral gym. Do you have any advice? Now, I did I did say to um, is it Amo Lou? I did say to put your to put that question here because it was on the group, um, and I asked her a couple of questions on that. But I'm intrigued to see what you have to say. I mean, it depends, like, I think it comes back to your vision of your business, your values behind it and what you want to do. If I turned around and said, you know, like if I really believed in like a weight neutral approach and I didn't want to diet people, that's great. But you have to be realistic that people who want to diet will leave and go somewhere else or like apply and then be like, oh, this isn't what I wanted to go somewhere else. That isn't a bad thing. I think Seth Godin did a really good example of this. And it was something like, if a vegan came into a steak restaurant and was like, go, do you have any salad? And they're like, oh yeah, we've come, we can kind of like make this side salad for you. Fine. But they're never going to get a good review from that. The person's never going to come back. They appreciate experience and what you've made 10 pounds off a shit salad. It's not worth it for your reputation. Whereas what had been way better is to be like, oh, do you know what? There's an amazing vegan restaurant down the road. Just turn right. Okay, cool. Everybody wins from that. And actually you don't need to be the best coach for everyone and your reputation will benefit you. And by turning some people off, you turn some people on. So I think it's very easy in this. As so many coaches get stuck in this to try and please everyone or not easy, but like tempting to be like, Oh no, I can help you with fat loss and with weight gain and with building muscle and with your relationship with food. And if you're perimenopausal and if you're 18 and your body confidence and all this stuff. And the problem is you can but that doesn't mean that you should. And I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago because someone asked me about like if I would coach them for high rocks. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds really exciting. And then I was like, no, because I actually want people to put me in a box of Emma helps women with yo-yo dieting, usually perimenopausal women, okay? I didn't really want to be known for anything else. It would muddy my image. It would take me away from what I'm good at. It would take me away from actually ever becoming an expert in that because now I'm trying to do 50 other things and as as much as like we all think we've got more time and energy like you're never going to be an expert unless you niche down so there's another benefit to that and also even if you think about this in terms of if one of your clients meets up for I don't know lunch with somebody and you're just the generic PT and they're talking about how they're really struggling with weight gain around menopause you're probably not going to think, oh, do you know who you should go to? That generic PT who kind of does everything. But they might think, oh, do you know who puts out loads of information about that? ESG Fitness, you should follow her on Instagram. It's that kind of stuff that's going to build your business. And I totally get the headspace of, well, if I only talk about one thing, then people will only think I do that one thing and thinking that you're going to lose all these other clients. All these other clients weren't interested anyway because nobody's really looking for generic. Like I would pick one thing and stick to it. So if if the whole ethos behind your gym is it's a weight neutral approach, I would double down on that. And I'd be like, great, you're going to Weight Watchers to do that? 
cool. That's not what we do here. Fine. Like own it. And I can't, I've given similar advice about this with if you're going to do progress photos or not, like if you're not going to do them, make a stance as to why you're not doing them, why it's against what you do, why you're different, as opposed to just being like not doing them because then you get the negative of not doing them, which is that to be honest, they often do drive business, especially if you're trying to help people lose fat, but you don't get the positive of, and this is why I don't do them. This is why we're different. And this is why we're not just a transformation program. So like own what you do and double down on it rather than being like a little bit like, oh, you know, should I try and mold into like, you're so far from Weight Watchers or Slimming World, like you want to prove that you are, then you need to double down on the fact that you're different. You're never going to compete with Weight Watchers or, or Slimming World on what they do because their marketing budget is billions, right? Maybe not billions, millions. Um, yeah, that would be my thoughts on it. But I don't know enough about your business to know like whether that is your approach or not, like whether or whether that like, yeah. I think that's the thing. I think it's important when you're triggered by something to look at what is triggering me about this because why are like first of all like what makes you a change neutral and body neutral gym and I would be mindful of just in general be mindful of change neutral because even if you're focusing on health you're change it's you're creating healthful change and I wonder if maybe you've rightly ethically morally experientially gone into I want to be body neutral and 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 you know more intuitive etc etc like for whatever reason fine but I wonder just with even that phrasing have you gone really double down on that as a kind of response to something else and actually you're maybe being like looking at why you're being triggered could be helpful here because usually when you're triggered by something it's either because you've maybe feel a bit of resentment or something you've maybe wanted to do but you haven't done or who knows what the answer could be why you're triggered right but for me this kind of sounds like it feels a little bit like maybe maybe you maybe there's something about that that you resent a little bit maybe because you think it's crap which is fine but maybe you've held yourself back a little bit and saying change neutral and body neutral and actually you resent a little bit the fact that they've gone somewhere because they want results they've gone for fat loss results right it's very specific and if you're not a fat loss focused gym then I mean everything you said Emma like I fully 100% I'm on board with and agree with um but just it's just important to look at like what is this trigger trying to tell me and I and again yeah just a bit of advice in terms of looking at that phrase and if that's how you advertise yourself you're saying I'm not focused on change and if you're a coach you're focused on change so it's just like something to be mindful of um the other thing change from a place of love or something but a hundred percent like I mean it also in any context if someone was like yeah we're not going to change like you should be changing all the time like if you're the same as you were last year in any context like that's not a good thing but I totally get that maybe like you're weight neutral and actually then you need to double down on the changes that you are making so is it strength is it mindset is it feeling good is it health is it all of the above but just without the focus on weight loss yeah and then the other dark doesn't it (laughs) I know I need to put the light on. I'm going to do it in a minute. I was thinking that. I'm like, I, I look like a skeleton, like head. And the other thing I would say is it's got absolutely nothing to do with your body. You're saying 
I want to lose some weight to lose some fat I've gained this is probably tying into your trigger of like well if I want to lose weight and these people want to lose weight and I'm saying weight loss is bad there's a there's a a a disconnect there and it's okay to change your mind on stuff by the way but regardless of any of that you diet if you want to diet you will feel a little bit incongruent if you're then telling other people not to diet which I don't know if you are doing by the way like just because you're body neutral doesn't mean that you're anti-fat loss but or anti-diet but if you're personally like I want to lose weight and you're like telling other people you will feel incongruence you will feel triggered by multiple situations that arise like this weight watcher situation so look at that but regardless don't tell anyone your diet you don't have to tell people that you're on a fat loss phase you don't have to tell people your diet you don't have to share pictures you don't have to talk about your body at all at all so it has nothing really to do with what you're doing in your business, apart from maybe causing a little bit of incongruence. Just going to find a light switch. The other thing you could do is if, and again, we're this is all hypothetical because we don't really know you and your business well enough. But if, for example, you're like, we're not anti-weight loss or anti-fat loss, we're just anti-focusing on that. You could use your own fat loss journey as a bit of like an example of this. So you could be like, yeah, I wanted to feel better feel better in my clothes, tighten up a little bit and realistically lose a bit of excess energy, also known as body fat. And so this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to focus on being a smaller person or restricting myself. What I'm going to focus on is these key behaviors and being consistent with them because I know that's what will make me feel good. And this is how I'm going to do it without this big pressure or focus on weight loss. And that might be a good way to kind of show people your approach and why it's different than other diets. And I'd even point that out, like other diets will have you, I don't know, track calories. Other diets will have you weigh yourself weekly. Other diets are like, but this is how we do it. And then you can show like your result if you want to show that. Or as Amelia saying, like you don't have to tell anyone, but it might be a good example of how you do what you do. And it might also help you work through whether it is incongruent or not. Like if you don't want to share that, then it's like, well, okay, is it still a little bit incongruent the way that you're planning to diet in comparison to the message that you give off as a coach? Mm. Okay. My client is a pescatarian for moral and ethical reasons. She was just on holiday for two weeks and she did include meat into her diet. She said she felt better for doing so, but generally in terms of energy, but she also felt like she gets a quote-unquote dodgy gut often and didn't experience this after incorporating meat into her diet. She eats dairy, eggs and fish and lots of fruit and veg. I don't feel she's missing anything from her diet that the meat could bring, but just wanted a second opinion and thoughts on whether you know of any deficiencies she could have from being pescatarian. She might have just felt better because she was on holiday. Yes, it's a large, one of the biggest contributors to your digestion is stress. One of the biggest contributors. I don't think this would impact digestion, but maybe like B12 potentially. Yeah, and omega-3 and ideally a, a fish if oil. But didn't she say she's eating a lot of fish? Yeah, true. If she's eating, but if she's only, it depends on, if she's eating oily fish but two or three times a week, fine. Yeah, great point. Um, yeah, it probably is. It, and then also just a change in routine and stuff. Like sometimes, and not to get like too graphic, but sometimes it's as simple as like, instead of getting up and getting ready and going to work, she got up, had a coffee, went to the bathroom and then carried on with her day. And it's like, oh, right. Well, I managed to do a poo in the morning. <laughs> like it might actually be something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
yeah so good luck having that conversation laura i'm sure you'll enjoy when did you go to the bathroom when you were on holiday but I, sometimes it's the most simple stuff and then you're changing someone's whole diet for other reasons and to be totally honest um including me has made me feel much better uh from like an energy standpoint but that could be because maybe i just have increased my calories with the meat consumption and it might just be like there are so many things that go on in your life like you might just be happier or you might just be sleeping better and that corresponded with also having more meat like but actually it also corresponded with going on holiday or moving flat or blah 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 whatever so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't assume that the correlation is to do with the fact that you've had a little bit more chicken or something Agreed. Bella's question. Hi, Amelia and Emma. Thank you for all of your great content and knowledge. Bella is like a ray of sunshine. Um, you talked about the importance of your environment and how having less nutritious foods, chocolates, etc., in your cupboard can make it harder for clients to adhere to their goals and make mindful food choices. But I feel that with most clients, I wouldn't want them to clear out their cupboards of any quote-unquote treats or indulgent foods, in brackets, even if that may require them to have more willpower. And instead, we'd want them to practice being able to pause and make a mindful decision about what they need and have the ability to say no to something when it is right in front of them slash in their immediate environment. Can you expand a bit more on your views of this and supporting clients with fat loss whilst improving slash without hurting their relationship with food? Huge. Thank you. Which kind of ties into the earlier question a little bit in terms of. We've not done full circle back to the start yeah. of the five. Um, I think so much of it is what we've spoken about before as well but like mindset around like I think one of the biggest things is are you dieting because you feel you have to and are you telling yourself that or are you seeing it as an empowered choice because you're like oh at the moment like I want to lose some fat that's my goal so I'm I'm making a choice in line with that goal as opposed to being like I'm restricting myself and I can't have this this and this like okay well I'm fueling myself with this food that's going to make me feel good and an amount that's going to help me stick to this goal that I have at the moment the fat loss it's that piece is so important like people's expectations when they start dieting how they think they're going to feel what even if you ask your clients at the start like when I say the word diet what words come up for you and it's normally like restriction not enjoyable weighing yourself like fat blah 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 like all like kind of like negative connotations as opposed to fueling my body with healthy nutritious food like feeling great including lots of fruit and veg like I don't know there's so much negativity with that word and with the process that that has a big impact and when you're talking about losing fat without negatively impacting your relationship with food like that's a big consideration I agree I think I think even when you start if they're on a fat loss journey and they're Important thing to know is if someone's on an intentional fat loss journey, they're probably not going to be regularly overeating or binge eating because otherwise being on a fat loss journey, and I mean regularly overeating like multiple times a week, very mindless, not kind of overeating on the weekend type of vibe. So it's obviously a spectrum here, but they're probably not going to be on a, a kind of uh, relatively rigid calorie deficit goal every day, right? So I'm talking about people that maybe sometimes overeat a little bit on, on food, whatever. Their relationship food is not amazing, but not horrendous. Um, I think that 
these people like setting the setting the expectation from the start of like these are your calorie targets or this is the focus but you have but again saying you have unconditional permission to eat above and beyond your calorie targets if this aligns to your goals and your values i.e it's your kid's birthday party and you want to have cake with them that aligns with your values i would imagine so like that makes sense um so immediately you're setting the tone of like this is not a restriction it's a calorie restriction for sure but it's a choice it's a chosen restriction not a have to restriction that immediately changes the game and i've had clients where i've done that before and it's like just saying that i've been on diets before and just saying that means that i'm not what i don't really want it and i've had it and it's fine and, and it's just a phrase I had the exact same thing. I actually forgot that I'd even put it in my welcome pack, but someone was like, that unconditional permission to eat of like, you can have any of this stuff at any point, but it's just some choices will align with your goals or not. No one's telling you that you can't. This is completely up to you, your choice. They're like, that's that's been a game changer. And it's one sentence. Yeah. So everyone get that in your starter packs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and, and that's, that's really it. And then again, it ties into the earlier question of like, um, for some people not having it in the house all the time but having to go to the shop if they want it is is helpful but for other people having it a little bit of it every day reduces as a novelty but I would honestly say if someone if I was working with somewhere I thought it's useful for this person to have it every day I probably wouldn't be in a fat loss phase with them probably um not I think that's not a clear like black and white line um there might be times, especially if you've been working with them for a while and like, oh, there's just this one food that I feel like a, like I feel like it's a bit of a trigger for me. Okay, let's for the next week try it every day and see how you feel. And you know, they're a bit mindful and all these things. That might be fine. Um, but probably probably not. Um I don't know if that really answers your question, Ellis. I know Emma's part did. I think it does. I think so. Um, we've got one question here. Should we end on this? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to put a, a comment to see this is where we finished. Great. Okay, Philippa, I have a client, 58 years old, who can't track because of a vestibular issue, brain and sight, which makes it hard for her to follow instructions, uh, is very forgetful, has poor balance. She is postmenopausal. She would like to lose two stone to bring her BMI into a healthy weight range. She has a very strong sweet tooth then forgets to eat, then binges, particularly in the evening. I've tried lots of techniques, portion control, guidance, focusing on small goals, for example, steps, um, healthy sleep patterns, nutrition tips, protein, fiber focus. She doesn't seem to respond or adhere to any of them. Any suggestions on how best to guide her going forward? A stern conversation compassionately I think the thing is like we don't know I don't know enough about the vestibular problem I really don't but it sounds to me like it's impacting her ability to focus on numbers maybe screen time that kind of logical side of things so like that must be really really tough and and yeah that does make it harder but things like eating regularly eating regularly so she's not going to the night and overeating that is something that she she doesn't need a screen to do she can set an alarm on her phone to eat every three hours and have a snack ask her what is stopping you from what's your sticking point with this how can we how can I support you to make this thing easier and go through each don't overcomplicate it with loads of different things but go through each kind of guideline that you've set and say how can I support you better to do this pick a couple um because realistically I know from working with people with chronic pain 
and or chronic emotional struggles or whatever it you can it can become all-encompassing and then you're like oh but it's just harder for me so everything is harder for me and actually you can fall into that that self-belief but it's like okay I totally get that this isn't this and explain and say like can you explain to me what it is that you find really challenging with these in terms of that so that I can work around that and then say oh amazing so that shouldn't affect this this and this and if they go oh no but it makes me really tired so did it okay fine let's find a new solution but if they're like oh yeah no that should be fine then they're committing to that they're saying yeah I can commit to this and say to this person what can you commit to now that we've had this conversation what do you feel that you can commit to for this week and and allow her to guide you on that Mm -hmm. yeah I don't think I have anything to say because I was going to say exactly that like put it back to her okay what can you do like what what like let's set some goals together and maybe you set them as like range targets as well so that she's not like all or nothing about it. Oh, I said I was going to do 6,000 steps, haven't hit them, so I'll just give up. Like give her a bit of a bracket to stick to, but exactly as Amelia said, work with her to set those targets. And then if you need to, and like, you know, if she's like, I can't do anything, then it's like, well, why are you, why are you here? And if you want that outcome, like we need to figure out a way, like the mechanism of fat loss is to be in a deficit. Now there's loads of different ways to create that. And I'm sure one will work, but what can you do around these behaviors that is going to make sure that you're in a deficit and you're losing fat? Agreed. Lucy, has she got your earphones on? Oh, I want to say hi. She wants a special guest appearance from, from Lucy. She stopped stretching. Hi, Emma. Hi, how are you're you? Online. Live you're on you're also live. Oh, I'm like, Thank you. Get your boobs out. Should have said that. My bad. My bad. Hi. So you got your cameo. Oh, well, wait until wait until Sunday. We'll be we'll be bronze. We'll be. It's so beautiful here. It got dark really quick though, right? I was yeah. like a skeleton head on the call. It was, it was like so. It I could see in the reflection on the fridge. It was like really sunny, and then suddenly it was like dark. Yeah, immediate. I did look over once. I was like, is she in the pitch black? I was. Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. Um, okay, have a lovely evening, guys. You too. Thanks, everyone, for the questions.